This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Let's start. Are you ready, Avi? Okay, great. Let's start. Parshas Barashas, everybody. 5784. We're going to talk about this Pusik, Parag Gimel Pusik Dalit. It's all going to be about the decision that Chava made to eat from the tree. So here's what the Pusik says. The woman saw that the tree was good to eat. This is after she had her conversation with the Nachash. She had decided that the Nachash was telling her something that seemed true. She saw that the tree was good for eating. That it was a taiva for the eyes. It was beautiful to the eyes. And the tree was wondrous or had did wonders at his desire to make one wise. She took from its fruit and she ate. Then she gave also to her husband with her and he ate from it. Now that's the biggest pella. That... We know nothing about the seduction or whatever the Nachash did to Adam Rishon. We know what this Nachash did to Chava. But how in the world did Adam eat from it? So those are the two questions we're going to deal with. Number one, what exactly did the woman see? And number two, what exactly convinced man, the Adam Rishon, to be able to do this as well? Okay, so there's a bunch of words used in the Pasuk to describe what she saw. But the words are not very clear, right? So the Balaturim says that the word Lo'enayim that's used in this Pasuk, is used four times in all of Tanakh. Four different times altogether to teach us that a man may see something with his eyes and it may seem sweet and good at the time, but it then, then cause danger and misa in the end. And that's why a person has to be really careful to s- make sure that what he's seeing with his eyes is something spiritually good and not just physically good. Because the physical good does not always translate into the spiritual good. But that's just one thing. That's the Enayim itself. Imshat, the Sworno says that she recognized, and that's what it means, what she saw, she recognized that the food was good for eating because of the nature of that place. The air there, the smell of the tree got to her. And she smelled it, she looked at it, she recognized the area, and she thought to herself, there's no way that this can be poison. It smelled like Ganadin, according to many of the Rishon, the Rabbeinu Nisim, the Abar Benel, the Tzoramor, they all say that she said to herself, how in the world could this fruit be bad for me? It's clearly good, because it looks good, it smells good, it tastes good, it, everything is there. Why would it be bad? Such a thing could not be poisonous, and such a thing could never cause was death. That was what she was saying. And especially because of the smell. I, I keep referring to that. But the reach of something can define what the food is. It's very rare to find something that smells great and yet is absolutely terrible for the body. It's not that it can't happen. But that's what she was saying and she went down from there. Not yet. Hold on. I'm probably going to answer your question. So I'm holding off on that question. The Ramban, the Ramban, I'm sorry, said she assumed that the fruit would be bitter and disgusting and that's what it means to be poisonous, right? It would cause her to die. That's why she said one to stay away from it. But when she saw that it was good and sweet, says the Ramban, that caused her to desire it, even though she knew the consequences of her actions. She knew that what was going to be was something bad. But she looked at it, and that desire overcame everything else. And don't tell me you don't have the same feeling. We all have that. When we look at something, we say to ourselves, it's bad for me, and yet I eat it. My example that I always give to everybody is jewel cake. Jewel Osco cake. I love jewel cake. And it destroys my stomach. And I have raya after raya after raya of exact times of what happens to me. It's 10 minutes after I eat jewel cake, 
35 minutes after I eat jewel cake and an hour after I eat jewel cake. And I have not eaten it in over two years, even though I love it, absolutely love it, especially when it's still yashin and it's all good. Right? But it, that, I absolutely love it. And I can't. I know that I can't. The Ramban says this is something that people do all the time. They recognize it. They know it's good. And they say to themselves, but I'm going to get punished. Nonetheless, I'm going to eat from it. Now, Rashi says that she saw the words of the Nachash made sense that she would gain from listening to it, and therefore she listened. And that's what she saw. She saw that the words of the Nachash seemed to be legitimate. The tree would make her into a lowercase g god. It would make her open up her eyes to things that she did not know before. It would allow her to recognize the difference between good and bad. And she accepted that. She understood that. And therefore she said to herself, it's worth it, even though it's going to take me down. The Targumionis says something crazy, which we might get to a little bit later on. He says that she saw the Malacham Mavas. She saw the angel of death was standing by the tree and she became afraid of what was going to be. It seems from the other Midrashim that she only saw the Malacham Mavis afterward, but it sounds like she saw the Malacham Mavis and did it anyway. Victor Miller says she saw something special about this fruit that is not necessarily true before anything else, before by anywhere else. Other produce have to be cooked or sweetened before they can become eaten, while fruits are cooked on a tree and made perfect and ripe for eating. You can't take wheat and just start chewing. It's not going to taste like bread. You can't take barley. I would never take barley, right? But you can't take any other grain like that and just assume that you can go ahead and eat it. It's not the same when you take corn off a cob that's sitting in the middle of a field versus barbecuing it and sweetening that corn, especially with GMOs. It's a lot better that way, right? When it comes to fruit, everything is made for you on the tree itself. It looks good. It's ready-made for you. You have everything right there. She saw that these fruits were cooked, so to speak, on the tree. They weren't too tart. They weren't too sweet. They weren't too soft. They weren't too hard. They're wrapped in a beautiful wrapper that's pleasing into the eyes of the beholder. She recognized the hand of Hashem and her imagination ran wild after seeing it. She realized that eating it would enhance her sensories and the perception of it and made it clearer. And she was right. That's exactly what HaKadosh Baruch had forbidden. Nonetheless, she saw how beautiful it was. Whatever the fruit was, whether it was an esrog, whether it was a fig, whether it was a grape, whether it was wheat, whether it was an apple, a good old apple. Whatever it was, it's something that immediately affected her. Yes, Shlomo. Right? So all of those guys are what she saw when she got there. Yeah. So there is a Gemara in Sanhedrin. There's a Gemara in Sanhedrin that says that in the future, gluskaos, actual bread, will grow on trees. And it's possible that if it was a wheat tree, it was an actual tree that produced the ready-made bread as opposed to wheat kernels or wheat stalks. That's the difference. And that's why it's called a tree as opposed to just a regular wheat stalk. It's possible that that's what it's referring to. I don't want to say that for sure, but it's possible. If not, then Rev. Victor Miller is not referring to this. You know what I'm saying? But like it's one of those two. I would doubt it. Yeah, but that's all, but that's all, I, I, I doubt it. Whatever she had was already made. It's very difficult to say that she saw the grain and she made it into something else. That doesn't make any sense. Plus, we all know wheat doesn't look that good. 
I mean, the wheat that we have, I mean, it looks cool, you know, swaying in the wind. It's not like everybody looks at a thing of wheat and he's like, oh man, I want to eat that thing. Nobody thinks that way. So it seems very unlikely that that's what it's referring to over here. Now, the Chassam Sofer says that she saw the words of the Nachosh seem to be true, similar to Rashi. At first, Chav understood this tree was different. It had a quality to it that no other tree had, and it allowed them to become wiser if you ate from it. She was not sure why Kaddish Baruch Hu had forbidden them from eating from it, and why Hashem had said no to this, but she did understand this This was a chukah. It's a chok. And she was fine with that, knowing that he was Yudke Vavke. And sometimes Yudke Vavke, the name of Hashem that's beyond us, HaYehovah understands things that we don't. She was okay with that. A chok is a chok. I don't understand it, but it doesn't make a difference. That's part of what it was. The argument of the Nachosh is that it's not Havaya that made you not eat from this tree. It's not Yudke Vavke. It's Elohim that's keeping you from eating from the tree. There's something natural about the tree that he doesn't want you to eat from. It's Elohim. He doesn't mention Yudke Vavke and that there's different aspects of God, Chas V'Shalom. If Havaya told you not to eat from the tree, then you'd be right, Chava. But Elohim told you that did God say Elohim specifically that is telling you to do that leaving out that shame of I itself he knows that if you eat from it you will be another Elohim like him that's exactly what he was saying. It's Elohim that doesn't want you to be equal to it. It's not from Yudke Vavke. And therefore, there is a svara behind it. It's not a chok. It's not a chok that's beyond understanding. It's something you can understand. So if you feel you can understand it, if you feel you want to get into it, then you should eat from it. And that's what caused her to eat from it. An act of pure minus against what God told her, right? Thinking that maybe it was Elohim and not Yudke Vavke. And that was absolutely wrong. But that's how the Chassam Sofer puts it. She saw that it was Elohim that told her not to eat from the tree, but not Yudke Vavke, and that allowed her to eat from it. Now, the Kliakr applies this to every single sin. The Yitzhahara claims that you should go after whatever you see, and if it looks good, go for it. If it seems good, go for it. It's probably the best thing in this world, and even though in the next world you're supposed to be rewarded for things that you hold back from and things that you're not w- willing to do, etc., in this world, right, it's not like that. Chava saw the taivas of this world with her very eyes, and that's what convinced her. She saw that this world has a value to it that maybe is better than what one would get in Olam Haba. And that's what caused you to do it. The Kliyakar, that's the Kliyakar itself. Likute Sichos, this is from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, says there are those that say they would be better to pick two mitzvos and just do them every single day. Because if you have 613 mitzvos, you feel like you can't do everything. And if you can't do everything, then you feel like, ah, I'm just going to give up anyway. But if you took two mitzvos and you did them every single day, that would be amazing. Maybe you're able to do something that's so much better. From here, we see it's absolutely not true. One mitzvah is given to Chava and Adam. One mitzvah, says Lubavitcher Rebbe. And they couldn't even keep that. They found a way to get around that one mitzvah. The Yetzirah is not there by 613 mitzvahs more than he is for one mitzvah. If you have 613 mitzvahs, he'll try to convince you not to do any of them. If you have one mitzvah, he'll try to convince you not to do any of them. If you have two mitzvahs and you pick that and that's what you're going to do, you still won't do them. So says Lubavitch Rabbi, do everything. Try everything. Go involved, get involved with all of them. Right? And he said, he gave a mushal. He said, two men are climbing a mountain with heavy sacks on their back. One is super happy, but the other one is really sad. What's the difference between the two? One guy is carrying rocks. The other guy is carrying diamonds. Both of them are super heavy. Both of them are a really big burden. But the guy with diamonds in his back 
feels like he can do anything in the world. And that's the difference between the two. You have one person who recognizes exactly what he has and he wants to do more because of it. That's how the Lubavitcher Rebbe puts it. Time to crawl. Rukhain Kinyaski points out a very big seer on Rashi, a contradiction over here. She saw the words of the Nachash and she believed them, seemingly that she wasn't going to die. Because if she had any sveikos, any doubts that she was going to die, she wouldn't eat from it, and that's ridiculous. So Rashi then says, right, that she wanted Adam to eat from it, because what happens if I ate from it and I'm going to die, and he doesn't eat from it, he's going to marry somebody else, because I'm going to die, I won't be there anymore. So obviously she thought that she was going to die. So he asked the Kasha, Rukhain Kanyavsky asked, and says, wait a second, did she think she was going to die or not? In the beginning of Rashi, she didn't think she was going to die. In the end of Rashi, she thought she was going to die. And he answers, this is the power of the imagination in Taiva. It's so great, it makes you forget what is super obvious. Before she ate from it, she ignored the fact that she knew she was going to die. She knew it. She knew it. She understood it. She got it. I'm going to die. But she ignored that in order to eat from the fruits. And only after eating from it, she finished her taiva. Then she said to herself, oh no, I really am going to die. That's when it came flooding back into her mind. And that's exactly what happens to Rechaim Knievsky. All of these are the ideas of what the Yitzhahara does to you. And it's a normal cancer. Okay. Then comes the Orachim HaKadosh. And the truth is, this is not just the Orachim HaKadosh. The Orachim HaKadosh, the Ksav Sofer, and the Tzorah Mor say the exact same thing over here in different ways, but it's basically the same exact answer. I've always had this question. I've always had this problem looking at these Psukim. What in the world convinced her, especially when it says that it was a Taiva Hulainaim, it was a desire for the eyes, and that what was it? It was Kitova Eitz Lamachol, that the tree was good for eating. What in the world does that mean? That the tree was good for eating. Did she eat from the tree or not? She hasn't eaten from it. How in the world do you know that that's good? I've seen fruit that looks good. Dragon fruit looks good. It's crazy bad. Why in the world would something that looks good automatically translate into being good to eat? And they all answer the exact same way. Aside from that, like, how did she think that the Nachosh was telling the truth while Hashem and Adam were lying? Like, what in the world was the point of all this? What was Chava thinking? So he says the following. He says, Chava assumed, and she may have been correct, that the only thing forbidden to eat from the tree was the fruit, not the bark and not the leaves. She would be able to eat from the bark of the tree. She would be able to eat from the leaves of the tree. Maybe she got that misvara. Maybe she got that from Adam's wording. I don't know. But she assumed the fruit is usher, but the tree itself is mutter. It happens to be that of all the trees of the Garden of Eden, all the trees of the world, there was one tree that followed Hashem's gezerah in which he said, I want the trees to taste like the fruit. None of the trees did it. The trees had fruit that tastes like fruit, but the trees did not taste like the fruit. There was one tree that followed that dictum and said, I will have my bark, I will have my leaves taste like the fruit, and that was the Eitzadas. The Eitzadas didn't just taste with its fruit. It had its bark taste like the fruit, its leaves taste like the fruit. Now, obviously, the fruit was better, sweeter, juicier, but the taste was in the bark the taste was in the leaves. The taste was in the fruit itself, which is one of the reasons why people say it's an esrog tree. Because the esrog taste is throughout the entire tree. That's one of the reasons why they say it. So what happened? The Nachash goes up to her and says, are you not allowed to eat from the trees? She said, I am allowed to eat from every tree. It's the fruit of the Eitz Adas that I can't eat. 
to which the Nachash then pushed her into the tree, which the Gemara, or which at least the Orachayim HaKadosh makes it understand, the Nachash made her eat from the bark of the tree. She didn't think that was a problem. She took a little toothpick from it, put it in her mouth, tasted it, and recognized that it tasted good. And again, for in her svara, and it might even be true, that wasn't usher. The fruit is usher, but the tree isn't. So she already ate from the tree itself, and she saw that it was good. That's when she decided to take a closer look at the fruit, where if the tree is good, maybe even the leaves are good, I can imagine the fruit is a hundred times better. She took a look at the fruit, and once she saw, look at the wording of the Pasuk, Kitova eats lamacho, that the wood of the tree was good for eating. The chitavalunayim, and the fruit itself looks great, it looks even better than the tree itself. That's when she said to herself, I wonder, I wonder if I can eat from the fruit itself, if the fruit, that's where the taiva came into play. Because she had already tasted it. She already knew what it tasted like. And then she had fooled her into that part. That's the idea behind it. And where she thought, maybe I'll become wiser, maybe I'll become greater from that. He then is Malamed Tzchus, the Orachayim HaKadosh, is Malamed Tzchus and Chavah. She didn't know that a Kaddish Baruch Hu made a Satan to test her. Had she known, she would have been looking out for it, and she wouldn't have listened to a word the Nachash said. In her mind, right, this wasn't a Nachash, a Satan, trying to get her. This was another person, or something like a person, telling her something that she didn't know. Adam Rishon told her about what the tree, you know, you shouldn't eat from the tree, etc. And then Nachash is telling her, but if you do, this is what's going to happen. And therefore, the Orachim Akadosh said she didn't think that way. And since she had already tasted it, that already started the heter in her mind, right, that this is going to be really good. She also didn't think that this mitzvah was as important as Adam Marishan told her. If it was that important, why wasn't she sworn to keep it multiple times like B'nai Yisrael were in the Midbor? Obviously, she didn't know what B'nai Yisrael would happen, but we know B'nai Yisrael were sworn to keep the mitzvahs over and over and over again. Keep the mitzvahs, keep the mitzvahs, keep the mitzvahs. They had Harsinai put on top of their head. While in the Gan Eden, it was simply, don't eat from the tree. Okay, I won't eat from the tree. It doesn't seem so important if you don't make it important. HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowed this to be so that these excuses could be there so that when she did eat from it, she could claim, I didn't know, because otherwise she would have had to die for a clear transgression. And that explains why when it says in the Pasuk, right, on the day you eat from it, you will die. Chava ate from it. She didn't die. The reason why is because she was purely a shogig. She didn't mean to not eat from the tree. She To eat from the tree, I'm sorry. She thought that what she was doing by eating the bark was mutter. When she got that taiva, she didn't even realize what she was doing. It's almost like a misasek. You walk in a room and you turn on a light. You're like, oh no, what do I do now? That's what it was like. And because it was like that and she wasn't looking out for it, therefore she is not punished for what happened over here. And I see you, Shlomo, and David. I'll get you in one second. The Ksav Sofer says the exact same basic answer as the Orachim HaKadosh. The Nachosh said, Nikol eats Agan. Her response was, Mipriya eats Asher Besoch Agan. Yes, I, I, the, Mikol eats Agan you can't eat from? No, no, no. From the pre eats Agan, she said, that I can't eat. And that's Kitova eats Lamachol, that the tree was good to eat because she ate Avatikach Mipriya Vatochal, and she took from the fruit itself. The Nachosh could not have gotten to her without having her taste beforehand, and therefore that happened, 
and then the taiva was too strong for her to hold herself back. And it may be that that's what she did to Adamarishan as well. She gave him from the tree first, and then the taiva got a hold, and he couldn't hold himself back from the fruit itself. And that's the possibility of what we're talking about over here. Now, the Tzorah Mor says, interestingly, she never ate from the bark. She never ate from the leaves. She ate from the shell of the fruit. Again, if it's an esrog, that makes a lot of sense. She took the shell of the esrog and ate that. And that tasted good to her, right? I don't know if anybody's had an esrog here. I don't know what she's talking about, but maybe it was pure esrog back then and that it's a different taste. But she ate that and that eventually led her to eat, led her to eat from the fruit itself. That's the idea behind it. Then he goes on, it's possible she only ate from the shell, but the Tzoramor says that. Shlomo, what are we going to ask? We'll get to Adam Rishon. Is your question only about Adam? No. Okay, yeah. Go. That's part of the Machlokas. Either Misa is an automatic that once you eat from it, you will begin to die, or there was a death, right? There was a death, but it's going to be pushed off if Akadosh Baruch Hu wants it. So yes, death is intrinsic in the fruit itself, that if she eats from the fruit, she will die. But does it have to be on that day? That's part of it. Is the day of Akadosh Baruch Hu being considered here, which we say is a thousand years? All of that is included within this concept, right? But I can't answer you definitively because that's part of what we're about to talk about. That's number one. Number two. We don't know when Chava died. We know Adam lived 930 years. We have absolutely no idea when Chava died. According to the Seder at Doros, she died only 150 years later, 160 years later. So she was dead by the year 160, around that time. But we don't know. We don't have a, a straight-out magic that says when Chava passed away. Well, hold on, Dave, yeah. No, Dave, then other Dave. Yeah, so Chava so must have died after Shays. Uh, for sure, yeah. yeah. We don't know of any other children, but we do know of Chase. And Chase was born 130 years afterwards. So then you're saying he only lived to 20 when she died, more or less? 20 or 30, yeah. According to the state of Adoros. But again, I don't know. At she died, he, I mean, she died when he was young, then. Correct. Correct. Uh, and then the other, the other thing I say is, so, I had always heard that she, that she gave Adam the juice, like this. Oh, uh, we'll get to that. Again, what she did with Adam, we haven't really gotten to yet. That was just a possible answer. She was like, yeah, so that's another question. We got, I'm getting to it. Again, most of these questions I can get to, it just, it's hard to go like one after the other. I get there. What's up there? Somebody else out there? No, she's, whatever. There's a Christian medrash. I, I don't know if it's a legitimate medrash about Lily and the Queen of the Demons. I don't know if it's a legitimate medrash or just a Christian medrash. There might be Kabbalistic literature about the previous wife to Chava and whether that's real or not, but I don't think that could be taken literally. It's definitely not meant to be taken literally, at least in the Zohar. So if it's, but there's a Christian measure about what happened with the previous wife and she ran away, whatever it is. But I, again, I, I don't learn Christian Midrashim usually, so I'm not positive that's there. But yeah, Mati. Um, you made this whole point that she was well aware of that she would die and, yeah. and whatnot. But wasn't there a concept with Cain and Hevel where it wasn't necessarily so clear because no one had ever died before? That hadn't happened. That killing had never happened. So that's what Cain and Hevel. Cain could not understand how the concept of killing would work. But death existed. They were told, Tamus. So that ex- concept existed and she must have known what that meant. But killing, that you could kill a person, that nobody knew that could happen until one bird killed the other and Cain understood that you had to bury whatever. And then that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the thing that you're talking about. Okay, now the Nitziv says something interesting. She understood from this 
tree that something different would happen when she ate from it. Until now, right, she knew everything and understood everything because she had a certain devakus to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. She's connected to God. So it's almost like you're connected to a supercomputer. So whatever the supercomputer is feeding you, that you know. She had no mind of her own. She had no thought process of her own. She couldn't process anything on her own. But she was connected to a supercomputer. So all the information is right there. She just had to go through. And that's like through Ruach HaKodesh, through Nevuah, whatever you want to call it. But she was always connected, always in there. But no mind of her own itself. She could not think of anything else. It was not natural, so to speak. That's why she didn't understand why it would be a bad thing to walk around unclothed. Hashem hadn't given that information to her that walking around unclothed is a bad idea. That was one of the things that she wanted. Similar to the tape, taiva and the taste, she wanted the concept to be able to think her way through life. She wanted to be able to say to herself, I'm going to make this decision. I'm not going to let God make this decision for me. I want to disconnect from the computer and make a decision and allow that to be my decision, even if it's the wrong decision. That's the idea that the Nitzit brings down over here, which is a crazy interesting concept, which we're not going to go into. It's the idea of the Nefesh Achayim in why other Mauritian chose to eat from the tree in the first place. The Malbim says there's a difference between Chemda and taiva. Chemda is for something you can see with your eyes. It's right there in front of you. A taiva is for something that's not in front of you, like the desire for money or a beautiful house or kavod or something like that. That's not something that you can see with your very eyes. Chava understood that if seichel precedes the desire, if you have seichel, you have a mind, and then you desire something, you'll only desire the right things. And you'll think, how do I achieve the things that I need to be a better person? But if a person first has a taiva for anything general, even if he defeats it, and then he has a seichel, the seichel will be used improperly to achieve that desire. Right? He'll do it in any way possible. The nature of this tree is that it allowed for one's taivas and chemda to grow and strengthen to the point where you will do anything to achieve your desire. And that's what the tree caused. It's not that she didn't have a mind beforehand, unlike the Nitziv. She did have a mind, but her mindset came before the Taiva. She thought things through and nothing could convince her otherwise. According to the Malbim, right, at this point when she ate from the tree, she no longer could think her way through anything. It was like an automatic, this is what I want, this is how I'm going to get it. And that's what happened from the tree on. But that leads to our bigger question. Yes, Dave. The initial thought of Chava? Yeah, yeah that, was the, that was the mitzvah. She has one seaboy. There's one disconnect. And that is to do the mitzvah of Hashem or not to do the mitzvah. That was the only disconnect. And her decision is, I want to disconnect and not do the mitzvah so that I can do this all the time. So that I can always choose whether I want to serve God or not and therefore be rewarded for choosing correctly. That was her thought process. There was one space that was given open for her and that was the space that she chose. What happened at the end? What made Adam eat from it? So we got a bunch of answers. Dave, you answered a bunch before. But this is the idea. The Nitziv says it's clear she was not around for, he was not around for whatever reason. Where Adam was, I have absolutely no idea. The whole story with Chava. Adam's not there. Where is he? Is he guarding the garden? which he was told to do. Was he working the garden? For whatever reason, the garden was already made. Uh, we have no idea where he was. But if he was around, he would never have allowed this to happen. But she did what she did, says the Nitziv, and that caused him to eat from it. Now that doesn't explain anything. The Medrash Rabbah in Yud Hay says the crazy answer that she squeezed the fruits, which makes sense if it's an esrog or grapes. Not much sense if it's a piece of wheat, right? But she squeezed it and gave him juice to drink. 
telling him it's not usher because it's not the real fruit. It's just the sweat of the juice, sweat of the fruit. And therefore, the sweat of the fruit is not the actual fruit and therefore would be allowed. Even though we don't hold that way by grapes and olives, there's no such thing as sweat of the fruit. The ichor behind a grape is the wine. The ichor behind the olive is the oil. Nonetheless, he thought that the drink would be different from the fruit itself and therefore would become butter. What was the problem? He should have asked. He should have said, HaKadosh Baruch is this mutter or is this not mutter? Rabbi Yehuda Asad explains what her svara was and why she thought that only eating was a problem but not drinking. But this was a svara. It was logic. And she went into it saying, but you can drink. And Adam Rishon agreed and that's how she got him. The Rekanati says the drush comes from the word mi piryo. Vatikach mi piryo. She didn't take the fruit. It doesn't say vatikach hapri. Mi piryo, from its fruit, which means from the juice of the fruit, not the actual fruit itself. And again, the extraction from the grape would make wine. Wine causes sleep. Sleep is a 60th of death. Says the Rekanati, that's what happened over here and why death came from it. That was brought down by other Rishonim as well. The Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar brings that down. That's the idea. It's even stronger than Achalos Binyam. In Achalos Binyam, in Mitzvah Nun Ozayim, he says, Adam didn't even touch the fruit. He didn't even touch it, he didn't even take the cup. Chava stuck it into his mouth and forced him to eat it, or drink it, depending on how you look at it, but literally stuck it into his mouth, said she could, he couldn't stop, right? Like, that, that's a little crazy. The Balaturim and Pusik Vav says even more so. She started hitting him until he ate from it. She was beating him up until he said, all right, I'll eat it. It certainly sounds like Adam's hands were not involved in picking up the food and putting it in his mouth because they didn't do so. Adam didn't do it. She gave it to him and he ate it, forcing it on him in some way, shape, or form. Either giving it to him in a drink and convincing him, Mamish sticking it down his throat, or beating the garbage out of him until he decided to do it, which is nutty. Rashi says, from the word ima, that's who we're saying that she did not want to die and have Adam marry another woman, as we said before, so she gave him some of the fruit to eat so that he would die as well. It sounds like he had no idea what it was. He mamish had absolutely no idea. It's not the fruit. It's not the drink. She just mamish put something in a plate, gave it to him. He ate it. And then only afterward heard and said, that's the Itzadas. And he's like, I didn't know. I had absolutely no idea. That's what it sounds like, Korn Rashi. Chizkuni says something similar. That he, she wanted the brach of Pru Revu to have children, to be Makayim to them both. And that would only happen if they're both alive. According to that opinion, Hevel and Kain are obviously not born yet. But she wanted children. That had to be. That's that. But where would this other woman have been? Who is this other woman that Chava was afraid of? So perhaps if there were children born, then it was his daughter. There were twin sisters. There was a twin sister born with Cain, triplet sisters, two other sisters born with Havel, right? And that would have been okay. Now, Tosis Sanhedrin, Nun Chesim Beis, talks about this. Could Adam marry one of his daughters? That's a Shiloh in Tosis. Tosis says no at the end. But Pirkei Rebeliezer, Pirkei Gimel, says Hashem would have created another woman. Maybe Hashem would have created another woman. And therefore, Chava said, I don't want that to happen. And therefore, out of jealousy, did what she did to keep Adam Arishan around. The Medjish Rabbah says, she claimed to Adam, what do you think? Do you think another woman will be created that you'll be able to be together with? It's only me and I'm it. Either you eat the food like me, the fruit like me, or I die and you'll never have a wife for the rest of your life. And since he knew what loneliness was, that's the idea of levado, he had to have an azer kinegdo, he ate the fruit to be like her. That's that. That's what she claimed. Hashem's not doing anything new. The Maskil David says, that seems to argue on Rashi, says this is what she claimed to Adam, so he would eat from the fruit, even though she knew it was wrong. 
She knew it was wrong. She knew that another person could be created or that other would marry the daughters. But nonetheless, she left it and that's the idea. Aside from that, it's 100% wrong because before they left Gan Eden, anything could be created still. It was still day six. On day six, more creations could happen. We know because Shadim weren't created yet. Tongs weren't created yet. The donkey that spoke to Bilaam wasn't created yet. The mouth of the earth wasn't created. There were still things that could be created. Another woman could have been created. Yeah, Dave. together? It's possible. It's not for sure that she was... According to the Medrash, Cain and Hevel were born in Ganeden. But in Pshat, she had to have nine months. So they weren't born yet. But no, the pain behind it is not necessarily the nine-month thing. It could be that the kids were not born yet, even if they had been conceived. There's a lot. Hold on. There's a lot. We really got a lot. Let me just finish up a bunch more. The Sforno says almost the exact opposite. She convinced him to eat. Just remember, like, the fourth page is all a little font because I had to fit a lot on the fourth page. Technically, it's a five and a half page here. But either way, but Sforno says almost the exact opposite. She convinced him to eat it after she ate from it because it was her husband. They should do everything together. So she told him, right, Sforno says, that they ate together. We should eat together. I messed up, so you should mess up as well. The above elf seems to say the exact same thing. He asked no questions. He didn't say anything. He had no ill will toward her because he realized, my wife messed up, I'm eating with her. And that's how the Sforno, the, the Barbanel, the reason why he ate is because he said, I have to be with my wife. Whatever my wife did, I'm going to go ahead and do. Now the Clayocker gives three ideas what happened over here with Adamarish and why Adamarish ate it. First, he says, based on other opinions, it's possible that Chava convinced him to eat it while being together with him. Similar to Shimshon revealing his secret of his hair to Delilah while they were being together. That that pain and oppression that he felt at that time by being deprived of something forced him to allow to whatever she wanted that went through. And that's the idea behind it. And it seems to just the same in Arach of Dover, saying she understood that this would be the best for both of them and therefore convinced him while they were together, forced it by while they were together at that time. The Igritakala says the exact same thing and darshans it from the word ima, together with her. It sounds like they were together in relations when this happened in Zivug. Had Adam waited to be with her until Friday night, this never would have happened. Which, Dave, as you mentioned before, it certainly sounds like the relations happened after she ate from it. While the Pusik indicates they were together and then she ate from the fruit. So that sounds against our Psukim. It sounds against the Pshat and the Psukim. Either way, that's the Kliyakr, the Arach of Dover, and the Igrit Akala. A second opinion that the Kliyakr gives is that Adam Rishon thought he wasn't allowed to take from any fruit from the tree and eat it himself. But if someone gave it to him, then it would be mutter. I can't take from the tree. But if it's handed to me, then it could be okay. Obviously, that was incorrect. The third opinion is that he assumed that a woman is chayiv and preparing the food for the household. And if she's chayiv and preparing the food, we have cheskasisura. She's got a chazaka that we can trust her in the house that she's not serving me trays. I don't go home every night and say, show me the heksher of the chicken that you bought. I just assumed that the chicken my wife bought was a kosher chicken. And he assumed the exact same thing. If she's giving it to me, that's an automatic heksher. And that should be good enough for me to eat no matter what it is. And that was his excuse. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when Hashem asked him, what did you do? He said, Aisha, Asher Nasati Imadi. You gave this woman to me to help prepare my food. That's a cheska sister. Right? There's a chazaka that I have that she's not going to do anything wrong. Eight echad nemam bi'isur. And one eight is believed in isur. And so I thought that that would be good enough. And obviously, it was not good enough. Even though we say in Gittin, Davzayinam and Aleph, that Hashem does not allow a takala to happen to tzaddikim when it comes to food, 
And Tos even talks about it that nothing will happen when it comes to food. Where Chaim Knievsky suggests he might not be a tzaddik yet because he had never done a single mitzvah yet. This was his first mitzvah and he messed this up. So it's possible that he wasn't a tzaddik in that way to be able to fulfill that. So that's an interesting line from Chaim Knievsky. Harach of Dover also suggests from the word kolisha. Again, this is probably, I think, our ninth answer is how he was convinced. Again, if we go through, it's either squeezing the fruit inside there, beating the living garbage out of him or forcing it down his throat, right? Not wanting to marry another woman and having somebody around, right? Convincing her to, him to do it together with her. Um, the Kliakr number one, right, while being together with him. The second opinion, that he wasn't able to take it himself, but somebody could give it to him. The third opinion, she's in charge of the food of the house itself. Now, I'm sorry, so it's the eighth opinion. The eighth opinion is Arach of Dover who says, Chava cried and cried until he ate from it, and he couldn't handle it, so he ate from it in order to stop her from crying. That's the eighth shot over here. Ninth shot, the Chidah, says <laughs> what are you allowed to do on Erev Shabbos you're not allowed to have a meal on Erev Shabbos because you're supposed to be hungry for Shabbos but what are you allowed to have you're allowed to taste the Shabbos food before Shabbos starts he didn't eat the fruit he tasted it so that he could prepare himself for Friday night meal where the Eitz Adas was supposed to be served he assumed that he could taste a little bit and that's that and he only thought it was okay because he saw Chava eat from it and not die he said oh I'm allowed to taste the food beforehand right so that should cast some aspirin, <laughs> like if somebody wants to, right, if some, somebody wants to eat the Shabbos food on Friday, right, <laughs> maybe not, <laughs> you can have a little bit, don't, don't fill yourself with it, yeah, Shlomo, quick. Maybe, yeah, maybe, we have the Eitzachayim also. Yeah, that, I mean, no, I, but the Eitzachayim would keep you alive. That's why I had to stay away from the Eitzachayim. So it could be the Eitzadas is needed with the Eitzachayim. So could he eat both? There'd be both. Yeah, Dave. Okay, so it seems that she was sort of right. We hold, we hold that when you change the form of something, we change the bracha. Not, not, I mean, not by everything. If the ichor behind the fruit is the juice, then that becomes the bracha. You're right, I make hagafen. That's even worse. No, the ichor behind a grape is the hagafen. No, I'm saying to you that when you eat the grapes, you don't say, you don't say hagafen. I make her eights on grapes. I make hagafen on the wine. The wine is the ichor. No, no, so I'm saying is that she, uh-huh. That's the ichor. That, she mattered it, but we hold differently when it comes to grapes. Other, Could be the eights the same way. Yeah. And she forced Adam in all these different scenarios that you've laid out. Yeah. Like he's an onyx. Like I understand that. Like, what do you, what, like, why, why do they punish that? He's a, if it's he's intrinsic, it's death. You might be a show gig. Show gig still, you know, still has a problem. Right? Can't, can't break Shabbos even if it's a show gig. So that's the idea. All right. I got some really crazy things. Rashi had something very strange over here. From the word gum. He says, not only did she give it to Adam Rishon to eat, but she also gave to all the behemoths and chayos. Because otherwise, why is there death by animals? Why would animals die? 
if they didn't eat from the Eitzadas. Must be they all ate from it. So I don't know what happened. Did all the animals like line up and the elephant, here's some Mr. Elephant, here's some Mr. Deer, here's some Mr. Antelope. I have absolutely no idea how this happened. But somehow all of the animals ate from it. The Rokeh had done, even the Brios of the sea, the air, and the land were given some of the fruit to eat. I don't know what she did. She'd go to the ocean and just like pour it out and like take from the fruit. Like how many fruits were there over there? This Sivs Chamim says, obviously she didn't intend for them to die as well, but this must have happened because why else would the animals die if they didn't eat from the tree? That's how Sivs Chamim puts it. Now, the Igor Dekala points out from the Sophie Tevis of Lahaskil, Vatikach Mipirio, is the word Chol. Because there was one animal that didn't eat from it, and it was the phoenix, the Chol. And that's why it lives forever, because it's the only animal that didn't eat from the Eitzadas. Now, the Ayelis Hashach warns about this. Did that bird have Bechira not to eat from it? Is there Bechira by birds? Now, we did give it to Ferazionis a couple weeks ago about birds having, animals having Bechira beforehand. But if not, why is it being rewarded? And did every single animal really eat from it, says Ayelis Shachar, said Versteinman? The fish? Animals that don't eat fruit? Bugs? Did every bug eat from it? When he goes through and he says, did they achieve das like Adam and Chava did? What in the world's going on? So Aznayim Latorah answers some of the questions. Aznayim Latorah says, right, he says, this is um, uh, what's called Rasarotskin. He says, because when it comes to death and destruction, the bodies of animals are similar to the bodies of human beings. Therefore, the same punishment would apply to both of them, just like it would do right, whenever else. When you eat a fruit like this, it would automatically happen. They all come from the dirt. They go back to the dirt itself. The mind, however, of a mind of a man can be raised to a higher level. So eating from the Yitzhadas would raise the mind of a man and kill him. But by an animal, the mind doesn't have the ability to get to a higher level. So they'll eat from it and they'll die, but they won't improve their mind. That achievement would only happen by people. That's why Chava wasn't worried about giving it to people. And how did she know that? The Nachash didn't become any smarter. The Nachash was the same after it ate from the fruit. The Nachash said, I ate from the fruit, right? But it wasn't any smarter. It only happened by man and it didn't happen by any of the animals. Noah Zakanim wonders about that. He wonders, is there something, whatever. As for the whole... The Maral Diskin has an unbelievably large piece on this, and he says, wonders why the Gemara and Sanhedrin Kupches says that the Arshina, the phoenix, was actually blessed by Noach on the table, and Noach was feeding all the animals at the table. The Arshina didn't ask for any food. So Noach went up to him and said, aren't you hungry? And he said, I didn't want to bother you. Right? That's what the phoenix said. So he blessed it that it should live a very long life, that it should never die. Right? So wait a second. Didn't we just say that the reason why it doesn't, it doesn't die is because it didn't eat from the fruits. But over here we're saying that the reason why he doesn't die is because clearly he was given a blessing from Noah. So he says two different things. He says crazy answer. He says there's a difference between dying and being killed. Because it didn't eat from the fruit, it won't die. And because it didn't ask Noah for food, it will never be killed. So there's a phoenix out there that's going around and it's totally alive and it's living and dying and living and dying or whatever it is and it'll never fully die because of this concept over here. Now the Chizkuni adds on that the Gam includes Cain and his triplet sisters as well as Hevel's sister and that's why they died later on. This is assuming that they were already born. The Verbasada wonders why he was feeding them anything at all. Again, the same thing. Animals is one thing but you're feeding the children. It could be that she understood that the only way for her to survive is if everything in the world ate. If everything in the world ate, then God had no choice but to keep Chava alive because they all ate from it, so they all have to die. If Chava left anything alive, then she might die, Adam might die, the animals might die, but the children will live. And that's why she fed absolutely everything in the world. The Mizrahi wonders about this. He says that the animals came and ate on their own. Beba Sada questions that, but that's that. But one last thing over here is that the Tzoramor concludes that at the end, the truth is, we can never truly imagine what it was like for Adam and Chava to have gone through this Nisar and to understand what they were going through the entire time. He calls it amok amok mi so deep. 
who is going to be able to find the reason for this? Similar to entering the Pardes. He considers it like Ben Azai, Ben Zoma, Acher, and, uh, and Rebbe Akiva entering the Pardes. A Rebbe Akiva can come out going to the Pardes unscathed. We'll be able to go up there and figure out something that nobody else understood. But everybody else looks at such a thing and can't understand it whatsoever. It's possible that Mamish, all four Chachamim, Ben Azai, Ben Zoma, Acher, and Rebbe Akiva were trying to understand this. And Ben Zoma, after thinking about why Chav and Adam did what they did, went crazy. Ben Azai died. Acher became an Apikoris, and Rabbi Akiva was able to understand something and be metaking the hate of Adam Rishon. It's possible that that's the idea behind it. But the main lesson behind this is we don't understand the why. We can give excuses, we can give ideas, we can give certain things like we've done to understand what Adam was doing, to understand what Chava was doing, to understand what the Nachash's plan was. But in the end, we have to admit, Amok Amok memes and this is not something we're ever going to really understand. We'll stop with that, guys. We'll stop here. Dave, what were you going to ask me for?